This is Linnea, and you're listening to Without Your Head, which I've done in a lot of movies. Have a good day, and stay scared. of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neil and i'm joined by legendary scream queen brink stevens it's very cool to have you Hi. here hey. thank you i appreciate it yeah. how are you doing i'm doing great thank you very good very good so it's almost halloween you know it's my favorite season of the year yeah only a, only a few days here to halloween i would i did a 12-hour horror marathon this weekend for halloween Wow, that's a lot of hours. It is. Midnight till noon the next day. It was fun, though. Wow, a marathon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I told a friend of mine I was doing a marathon, and they were like, oh, you're out running marathons, and I'm, uh, you know, going to bed or something. I was like, well, it's a, it, I'm watching movies for 12 hours. It's not exactly mm-hmm. running a marathon. Wow. But, yeah. Very <laughs> cool. Yeah. Do you have, what are your plans for Halloween, besides being very busy? Well, normally I would hand out candy to trick-or-treaters and I'd stay home with friends and watch a horror movie. But this year I got invited to a costume party. So I've been getting my costume together. I'm going to be a Victorian steampunk ringmaster. I like this. That sounds very good. Yeah, it's really cute. It's adorable. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I assume there'll be pictures on your Instagram or your Facebook or something. Yes, indeed, there will be. All right. Well, if there are any prizes, I hope you get to you win a prize as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And while it's not it's not a horror movie, you do have a new movie out. Well, it's coming out in November. 
Eminence Hill, which is very, very cool to watch. How, how did you get involved in it? I sat next to Robert Conway, the writer, producer, director, at a uh, horror convention in Kentucky. And we were sitting, our tables were next to each other, and we got into a conversation. And at the end of the show, he gave me three DVDs of his to take home and watch. And I was very, very impressed with the high quality of his work. Mm -hmm. So when I saw on Facebook that he was casting for the Western, I wrote to him and said, is there anything I can play? And uh, without even auditioning me, he said, yes, you can play the part of Wilhelmina. She's... uh, a Western character in this very pious religious town. And she's also a skilled poisoner. (laughs) So that of course caught my attention and uh, I had a great time. We shot it in January at the pioneer living history museum, just outside of Phoenix. And it was so authentic because we had the horses and the costumes and the rifles. And you really felt like you had gone back into the wild West. It was kind of like being in Westworld. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, it really comes through in the movie, like has uh, high production values. Everything looks really cool. And uh, had you ever done a Western before? Yeah, only one time. I forget the name of it, but um, James Keach was the star and we shot it at Paramount Ranch, which apparently burned in the last fire in Malibu. Um, but I don't do them very often. I'm mostly known for horror, fantasy and science fiction movies. Mm-hmm. And I just did my 200th movie this year, a few months ago. So I have to say that this is like one of two Westerns that are on my resume. And I'm really glad I could do something different and branch out because it was a costume drama. I loved wearing the period clothes, period hairdos, you know, little to no makeup. And um, it was just something completely different for me. I'm, I'm very grateful to Robert for bringing me in on it. Yeah. And I was looking, uh, his other movies are mostly horror movies, so it was uh, it was something different for him, too. Yeah, yeah, I know. The Covenant is more of a, you know, spooky kind of possession story, and then he's got a UFO thing, he's got Exit to Hell, which is real horror. Um, but yeah, it, it's great, and I'm, I've seen the trailers and stuff, but the production value looks amazing on it. Yeah, yeah, I got to see it uh, yesterday for, for the interview. And it's got a great oh, cast, including yourself. Yes, thank you. And I played the the wife or consort of Barry Corbin, mm-hmm. who is an amazing actor. He's been in so many things. And Lance Henriksen is also in the movie, Dominic Swain, Maria Olsen. And mm-hmm. I engaged in a knife fight with Owen Conway, <laughs> which was really a lot of fun. I don't get to do knife fights very often. And a mm-hmm. funny anecdote, a month later, I was doing a vampire movie in Los Angeles. And it was a scene where the vampires are attacking. And the, the, I had a choice of weapons I could use. One was a baseball bat. There was a knife and there was something else. So the director said, how are you with knives? And I said, well, I stabbed a guy in Phoenix last month. And there was this long silence where he's trying to figure out if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I love it. Yeah, it was fun. You know, you you never know what skills will be required on a movie. <laughs> All right. Now, how, so uh, how, how do you pick up something like that, uh, you know, uh, knife fighting? For a movie. Well, a lot of times there's stunt coordinators that show you how to do things. Mm-hmm. I always appreciate that. And in this case, 
uh, we walked through it, you know, Owen's like, please don't stab me. <laughs> like, don't worry about it. So they show you how to angle the knife down. So it, you know, leaves frame at the bottom and it looks like you're going into him, but you're actually missing him. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So yeah, uh, I still need to carefully. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever actually been injured uh, doing a movie? Any kind of stunts? Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, um, it's all too common. Um, I've been rushed to the emergency room twice. One of them was uh, a movie called Witch House 3. I play this ancient witch. And I had these white contact lenses in, so I could barely see anything. And it was about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and they were shooting a scene downstairs in the basement. And they said, okay, Brink, we're ready for you. And I was supposed to go down these dark stairs to the set. Nobody walked me, and I missed one of the stairs and tumbled down and my, my foot went underneath me. So I was on crutches for the whole rest of the movie. It was horrible. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. They had to, you know, like I, I hobble into the scene, they'd steal my crutches. I'd shoot the scene and they would put me back on them. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, uh, throughout your career, how much, um, obviously you'd have stunt doubles for like really, you know, uh, big scenes, but how, how much like stunts do how, have you done yourself? I do almost all of them myself. There was one movie called Grandmother's House, which is a wonderful film. It's horror in broad daylight. And they did have a stunt guy. They couldn't find a stunt woman. We were shooting out in Redlands, California, which is near Riverside. It's a small town. So the stunt coordinator was a guy. And he put on my dress and and a wig but he was so much taller than I was. So he did some of the more severe stunts where he's hanging from a truck and the brushes going by are hitting him, the bushes. Um, But when it comes time for him or me to fall off the truck, I did that myself because he just didn't look enough like me. And the movies we do are horror films, technically, but Mm -hmm. they're really action movies. Because you're running in high heels, screaming on a slick, bloody floor, being chased by a guy with a machete. So these are definitely dangerous action movies, a lot of them. Yeah. So were you athletic like before you got into movies? Yes, I was on the gymnastics team in high school. I had a varsity letter in gymnastics. But other than that, um, no, I wasn't really into you know, football or baseball. I was terrible at tennis. I just couldn't hit the ball to save my life. (laughs) Uh uh So uh, were you a horror movie fan before you started making the movies? Yes, all my life growing up. I I started with science fiction. And when I was eight or nine years old, I had read almost all of Robert Heinlein, Isaac Asimov, Andre Norton, all the greats of the golden age of science fiction. And then as a teenager, I got into the Hammer horror films. Oh, you know, those beautiful vampire women and these sumptuous sets and actors like Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. I just love those. So it was kind of a natural that I fell into it. But I never planned to become a horror movie actress. I just got pigeonholed into it after my first few movies. And I couldn't really break out of it. Was there ever a point um, where that bothered you? I, I assume, like, you know, obviously you're happy now, but was there ever a point, like, I wish I could do uh, some other things? I was more surprised than anything mm-hmm. that 
I didn't become an A-list actress because I had small parts in big movies like yeah. Spinal Tap. I played um, Derek Small's girlfriend and Psycho 3. I was the body double for Diana Scarwood. I worked with Anthony Perkins. I was in Body Double. I worked a week with Brian De Palma. Um, I worked with a lot of really wonderful people and I had some visible roles, but it just didn't happen for me. I never made it as an A-list actress, probably because I wasn't willing to do the casting couch thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I always fought against that and refused. So that may have had something to do with it. But I had more success in the low-budget horror movies. My first big one was Slumber Party Massacre by mm-hmm. Roger Corman. And then I got involved with Fred Olin Ray and Dave Dakota and did six or eight movies a year for them. And I was a big fish in a small pond there where I was starring in these movies. It wasn't just a, you know, a small role. And Mm -hmm. um, I guess I was good at it. I mean, there's no precedent for killing someone or from being killed or from screaming your lungs out in terror. But Mm -hmm. somehow I just had that inside me to where I was a convincing actor. I had never had acting lessons. I was just kind of a natural at it. So I got hired a lot and I was in the right place at the right time because the video boom was happening in mm-hmm. the eighties where my first movies like slumber party massacre and slave girls from beyond infinity played in movie theaters on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Then home video became a thing and they were churning out products. It became like factories mm-hmm. to where they were very quickly doing these low budget movies. And I got a lot of work in the eighties and nineties that way. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, right now, eighties uh, nostalgia is huge, especially within horror with like, you know, like uh, it American horror story, uh, stranger things. And, uh, why do you think that is? Is it just people that grew up in that era are now making movies? Well, they say that everything old is new again, and Mm -hmm. we've seen a lot of revivals and resurgences of different eras, like the 60s and stuff. Um, I'm really glad. It certainly helped my career that there's been an 80s resurgence. I um, went to a screening in uh, Tucson, Arizona of Sorority Babes. And it was a 400-seat theater, and it was totally packed. Every seat was full. And almost the entire audience probably hadn't even been born yet when that movie was made, but they loved it. And um, I also went to a convention, Cinema Wasteland, where we had a Slumber Party Massacre reunion, which I had shot in 1981. And everyone who came to the table could remember the first time they saw that movie. They would say, oh, like, I remember I was nine years old and my babysitter let me watch it. Or I was 14 years old and my older brother brought it home. And it clearly made an indelible impression on them where they Mm -hmm. never got over it. They never forgot it. And they imprinted on me. So then those kids grew up and became filmmakers and put me in their movies. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Nice thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Slumber Party Massacre has great cover art, too, because... It's got the very symbolic, you know, drill hanging down there and the women looking up at it. But that's, uh, was that controversial at the time? It came toward the end of the slasher era, which had really started in the late 70s. Um, and it was after Texas Chainsaw Massacre and things like that. What made it different 
is that it was considered a feminist horror movie, one of mm-hmm. the first feminist slasher films, because it was directed by a woman, Amy Jones, and written by a woman, Rita Mae Brown, who was a noted feminist author. And it starred a lot of women who survived and bested the killer. So it was um, a little controversial at the time. It was also a horror comedy. They really tried to make it funny and intersperse it with laughter. Um, And mostly it was visual humor, like in the background. There's uh, flyers that say, join the drill team and emergency drill instructions and things like that. These were all very deliberate. I don't know how many people noticed it, but it was fun to be a part of something that stood out and was different from the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Was, was, uh, um, was that any different at all, uh, making a horror movie with a female director and writer? No, it wasn't any different. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone was very competent. And I'm very lucky to live in the present day and age because I'm segueing into becoming a director. Mm -hmm. I'd already directed my own 36-minute short called Personal Demons, which I also wrote and starred in. And as a result of that, I've been getting many uh, offers to direct movies. So in January, I'm directing the remake of Sorority Babes and the Slime Bubble-O-Rama for Charlie Band at Full Moon. Thank you. I'm so excited. I couldn't believe it when Charlie (laughs) called me up. He's like, hey, you want to direct Sorority Babes? (laughs) And I was in the original as an actor. I died in that movie. So that was appropriate. And then in February, I'll spend um, three weeks in Cocoa Beach, Florida. I'm directing a movie called Tears of a Clown, which I also wrote. And in March, I'll be back in Florida and Tampa or Orlando directing All Hallows Eve, which is a very interesting anthology film where I play the hostess of a Halloween party. And my guests are all going to be recognizable horror stars like Linnea Quigley, Debbie Rashawn, Michael Berryman, Tom Savini. And each guest will tell a story, a scary story, and we'll see it. It'll be an anthology movie. And I'll be directing the wraparound at the party. So I'm very excited about that one. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm a huge fan of anthology films, and I am happy that they've made a comeback the last few years. Uh, I always find mm-hmm. them you know, entertaining. And uh, so so um, what was like the decision there to like, I, I would like to start directing, you know, uh, be on the creative side? I've been wanting to direct for a long, long time. And after having done so many movies as an actor I've really observed and learned how Mm -hmm. to do it and I was up for being a director on so many movies that all fell through for financial reasons Uh, I mean like I was packed and ready to go and then at the last minute they lost an investor or something Mm -hmm. so the time is right right now and also people want female directors after the whole Me Too movement it's never been a better time to be a woman in Hollywood. So I'm getting a lot of offers right now from people who want to be progressive and PC and they're empowering women. So I'm, I'm just so happy that I've gotten uh, several producing offers, writing scripts, directing, and I'm still acting. I did, I have six movies so far this year and last year I was in 13 movies. Very lucky yeah, number. so my yeah. career, yeah, I, it's incredible because I really started in 1980, so mm-hmm. I've been doing this almost 40 years, 
And really? I'm so happy that I'm busier and more in demand than ever. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Only awesome. in the horror industry. Because mm-hmm. the fans are so wonderful. They're mm-hmm. dedicated and they never give up on you. Mm-hmm. I, it's like they're pants for life. And I just love that about the people that are into the horror industry. Yeah, it's interesting. If I watch an old like Cisco and Ebert and there'll be movies on there, and they would even be big movies like at the time, but like I totally forgot about them, and no one ever talks about them. But there'll be move, there'll be horror movies from that same you know year, and uh, like they'll live on forever, and and they'll keep finding new audiences. Like you said, people who watch Slime Bowl, uh, Bolarama, who didn't even weren't even alive when it first came out. Yes, and I think at the time those movies were made, since they were to direct to video, people probably thought of them as just throwaway movies. Like, it wouldn't have a lifespan beyond a certain point. And yet, they did. Like, Nightmare Sisters, as I understand it, only ever sold 4,000 copies on DVD or on video. And, uh, yeah, it came out originally on VHS, but then it came out again on DVD, and it had the Blu-ray release. So more people discovered it as time went on than who saw it at the time it came out. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, were you always aware that people follow these movies like before the internet? I mean, you've been active for, for years, but were you aware that people like really, you know, really love these movies back from the 80s, you know, up until modern time before the internet? I started to discover that in the, I would say, mid to late 80s. I had appeared in Playboy magazine a few times, and I was getting a lot of fan letters from people who saw me in Playboy. So I took a P.O. box and I made my address known to people. And I started then getting fan letters from some of the movies I'd done. So I started a fan club and eventually I had 5,000 people that twice a year I would send out um, newsletters. And I would announce where I was going to be. So if I had any stalkers, it was very easy for people to find me. You know, I'm saying, oh, I'm appearing in Orlando this month and I'll be in New York the next month. And people would come to the conventions. This was before the Internet. Mm-hmm. And it was only through my newsletters that people became aware of where I would be. So they would come to see me. And uh, it was so funny at the beginning. A lot of times people are standing in line. And they're actually trembling. They're holding my picture and they're shaking because yeah. they've seen my movies. <laughs> and then they're always so surprised that I'm nice. you know. <laughs> so I made a lot of fans that way by showing up at conventions. And I did a lot of them in the, mostly in the 90s. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I was doing anywhere from one to four conventions a month. And I was constantly on the road traveling. I also published my own comic book. I had six issues of that. And I did a lot of comic book tours where I dressed in the costume and went to comic book stores and signed my books. So I was really out there with the public. And that contributed a lot to my fan base because people became aware of me that way. And I was uh, available. I was accessible to them, unlike Michelle Pfeiffer or Mm -hmm. Sigourney Weaver or somebody like that that they would probably never meet. So it was a really copacetic time for fans and for actors. And the conventions really brought those two together. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, any personal like experiences with fans that really stand out? Like either someone like made you something or brought you something. 
They've all been wonderful, and I've received yeah. so many gifts from fans, um, and mostly the gifts are really nice, but one guy gave me a tarantula in a jar, and I've had to say, no, thank you. I'm terrified of spiders. I just couldn't uh-huh. see this thing. <laughs> um, and I've had very few bad experiences with fans. Uh-huh. There was only one time this guy came up to me at a convention and said, so how does it feel to be a Satanist? And I said, I wouldn't know. I'm a Roman Catholic. Uh (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) That's pretty wild. So you mentioned sorority babes a couple of times. So when you first saw the name sorority babes in the slime bowl, slime ball bowl, Rama, like obviously that's going to stand out to you. What did you think? Even before you read the script, did you see that name? Well, prior to that movie, I had been offered Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, (laughs) uh, which was made by Fred Olin Ray, and my cohorts, Linnea Quigley and Michelle Bauer, were both in it, and they all wanted me in it, too. And I said, I'm sorry, I just can't do a movie called Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. My parents would disown me. (laughs) So when it came time to do Sorority Babes, which was around that same time, uh, it was originally called uh, The Imp. Mm, okay. And and when I signed on, it was The Imp. And in Europe, the posters still say The Imp. It was only later that it was changed, and I wasn't real happy with Slime Ball. <laughs> but that was the trend in the 80s, was lurid box covers, where you have a scantily clad woman usually being carried off by a monster, and you had crazy titles, because our target audience was college-age males. Mm-hmm. So that was you know, meant to make the movie stand out and say, come here, buy me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that was uh, that was on um, Joe Bob when he uh, came did his comeback for Shudder. Uh, how important was Joe Bob Briggs to to movies like this? He was a great personality at the time. His books were really funny, and he was right there rating, you know, Beast Babes and Blood, and uh, in our films. And I was actually on his show once, his trailer park show, and mm-hmm. he's just a wonderful guy. I still run into him at conventions, and I think that he contributed so much to popular culture and to promoting and elevating the genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you mentioned Linnea a few times. I've had Linnea on uh, many times, one of my favorite guests. Uh, what is Linnea Quigley like? And apparently you guys are, are still friends since you're working together on, on a new movie. Yes, uh, she's been in my life for almost 40 years from the very beginning. Uh, I met her in the early 80s because we were all doing the same things. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would go to auditions together and we didn't know time. And a lot of times they'd take photos at the auditions and I'd get copies of them. And it was only later that I'd say, Oh my God, there's Linnea. She was at that audition too. And then we started getting cast together a lot of times in shower scenes and locker room scenes because we were willing to do toplessness Mm -hmm. and there weren't many girls who were, it was a very small group. So we became friends and we were in all the same movies for many years, for decades. Then when I, Uh, produced and directed my own short film, Personal Demons, I hired Linnea and Debbie Rashawn, and I worked with them on my very first day of shooting because they were my friends, and I knew that they would be perfect for the roles, and they knew what to do, and it would be an easy first day of shooting. Mm -hmm. So it's really fun to have that kind of 
continuity and continuance with these people. Yeah. What, was there any any rivalries between any Scream Queens ba- back in the 80s? No, not between us. The mm. only rivalry was because there were magazines out at the time called Scream Queens Illustrated and Femme Fatale. Girls who were basically like mud wrestlers mm-hmm. would say they were Scream Queens. They put on some vampire fangs and do a topless shoot. And they're like, oh, the new Scream Queen. And yeah. they're like, oh, come on, give us a break. You're no <laughs> Scream Queens. Right. And they'd, you know, set themselves up at conventions and sell their photos, but they hadn't done anything. They had no body of work at all. And they were just jumping on our bandwagon. So they they all fell to the wayside. You know, we're still there and we're still honored as being yeah. the original screen queens. Mm. But there was that. There was those the people that were trying to um, say they were screen queens. Yeah, yeah. And I get that because I've had people want to come on the show who say they're uh, screen queens. And then I, I look them up and I'm like, I don't think you've ever been in anything. But uh, <laughs> I don't know what, but, you know. Yeah. You know, I, I do yeah, think so that people overuse the term sometimes. I agree. There's always those lists, like the top 20 screen queens. And there's people on it who aren't really screen queens. They're actors. They've done a horror movie, but they're not known for horror movies. Mm-hmm. They just happen to be in one. So I think those lists are a little bit unfair because somebody who did one horror movie out of, you know, a hundred, I don't consider a screen queen. I, to me that it's a way of life <laughs> and you're in it, you know, you're, you're totally immersed in it. That's my definition of a screen queen. Yeah. Might be a silly question, but uh, do you do anything to prepare to scream? No. Um, the first movie I screamed in was Slumber Party Massacre in 1981. And you don't see my death on camera. You hear my scream over an empty gymnasium. So my scream has to tell the story of my death. And the sound guy took me aside for like 45 minutes. I just screamed over and over again into a tape recorder until he felt like we had gotten the perfect scream that described the pain and agony of my death. <laughs> uh-huh. So you mentioned a couple of things here it was, um, you know, you and Linnea didn't mind uh, doing the topless scenes. And uh, you also mm-hmm. mentioned like you you didn't want to do certain movies because of the name. You, th- you thought maybe that your family wouldn't like that. Was, it, was your family okay with you uh, doing nudity in movies? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> and in fact, because they came out on VHS, what I would do is I, was, I would edit my own movies <laughs> and I would cut out the nudity and I would uh-huh. cut out if I had a horrible death scene I'd cut out that because my mother didn't want to see sure. that so then I would take the the new tape the edited tape over to my parents and show them my latest movie <laughs> and mom said well that was really good honey but it didn't it seem kind of short at 38 minutes <laughs> and I'm like oh mom that's the trend they're all short nowadays <laughs> yeah yeah that, and you also mentioned, obviously, the casting couch. Was that ever an issue in, in the horror movie scene? No, not in the horror movie scene. In the mainstream, it was mm-hmm. because you had a lot of, um, you know, po- petty colonial dictator type guys that just wanted to control everything, control the women. And, you know, if I'm going to cast you, then you're going to do me a favor kind of thing. And I did encounter that when I tried out for TV shows and um, non-horror movies. 
But in the horror industry, it's such a small, closed group that we're all friends. We all go to the same parties and things like that. So you couldn't get away with it. It's just too small of a group. And the people are just so much nicer. The mm-hmm. guys that did the horror movies were real gentlemen. And I was never, ever hit on doing a mm-hmm. horror movie. Mm-hmm. That's that's good, good and interesting because I think people who who probably aren't in the horror community might you know would think maybe the opposite you know that uh, that you know it's a bunch of crazy people making horror movies but mm-hmm. well it might be crazy well, you know, it's, yeah. yeah it's not that people didn't pair bond like Linnea married Steve Johnson sure, who did sure. her special effects and stuff like that so you know people did get together but it wasn't a casting couch yeah it's situation. a totally it's a totally different thing. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So what was Fred Olin Ray like uh, to to work with? Really fun and a very, very competent uh, producer and director. He was so good at it. He'd been making movies from a very young age in Florida, and he'd worked at TV stations. He knew what he was doing, and um, it was just always a delight to work with him. And he had a really wry sense of humor, like he might say something like, if this scene takes any longer to set up, I'm going to have to have my mail forwarded here. (laughs) So he would constantly crack us up. And uh, he didn't uh, give a lot of direction to the actors. Mm -hmm. Um, He felt like you would just come in, and unless something was really wrong, he'd tell you. But he let the actors do whatever they want, pretty much. And back then, we were shooting on 35 millimeter, Mm -hmm. and it was very expensive, even though we were using short ends like 10 minute clip, you know, clips of reels of film. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you'd maybe only get one take unless you, you know, died of a heart attack in the middle of a shot or something. Yeah. He'd be fine. Moving on. <laughs> so uh, would he be one of the directors and you think you, you learned from, uh, you know, uh, working with to become a director yourself? Yes, absolutely. Um, I learned a lot of technical things from him, like which lens to use and where to put the lights. And then I had other wonderful directors like uh, Dave Dakota, who did Nightmare Mm -hmm. Sisters, Sorority Babes, and many others that I was in. And he's more of a people person. And I enjoy it when a director says, that was great, but how about if you try it this way? So I learned a lot of people skills from Dave. And... I'm looking forward to directing these movies next year because I'm going to be working with child actors and non-actors, people who play themselves Mm -hmm. uh, in some of the films. And it'll be interesting. I'm really looking forward to uh, practicing my people skills. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing them. I think that's that's very cool. Uh, How how is... um... How has the changes in the industry like uh, affected you as an actor and now a director, like with the rise of um, of the streaming sites and and video on demand, and you know less with uh, physical uh, releases? Well, as the home video industry democratized filmmaking in the eighties and created a need for product, then we got into the nineties and. Equipment became smaller and more affordable, smaller cameras, smaller light packages. And then anybody could make a movie in their backyard, and Mm. they were. And a lot of these people were not filmmakers. They hadn't gone to film school. They had never made a movie before. And not every movie that's made should be seen. 
should be shown. <laughs> um, so I got hired for a lot of movies that never came out or that weren't very good. And mm-hmm. as budgets went down, because someone's financing this, you know, from their inheritance from their grandmother, um, they could only afford to hire me for maybe one day instead mm-hmm. of a week or two. So I would be the big name on the cover, but I would mm-hmm. have a very small part. And my fans were disappointed that it's like starring Brink Stevens, but I'm only in it because I only work one day. I'm only in it a very short amount of time. So I felt bad about that, but the filmmakers just couldn't afford to you know, bring me out for a week or so. Mm-hmm. However, there is some really good stuff being done oh, yeah. in the grassroots filmmaking. I was back in uh, Virginia recently, a few months ago, shooting a movie called Beneath the Old Dark House. Mm-hmm. And these were a group of people that had made a few movies. And this one was so amazing in that they had all these historic locations available to them. We shot in an old inn that was built in 1797. Mm-hmm. That was supposed to be my house. And we shot at an old farmhouse out in the field that was more than 100 years old and was very creepy. So I like it when I do regional films because mm-hmm. you get some very interesting locations and sometimes very different stories because, you know, face it, everything's pretty much been done already yeah. in horror. But it's nice when you can mix it up a little bit with a different kind of story, a different kind of locations Mm -hmm. what are some of the interesting places you've been to make movies well mostly in the united states i haven't really i worked in canada and vancouver Mm -hmm. uh, and that was really fun because as we know from the x-files canada can (laughs) double for any place (laughs) that has such a variety of scenery um and yeah just all over the place and it was really interesting shooting Eminence Hill back in January at this mm-hmm. pioneer village because they had moved actual authentic buildings from all over Arizona. So we had an old jail and a sheriff's office, a saloon, houses, a bank that were all brought to this property. And, you know, it was dirt streets and things. It was a really authentic looking village. And that was a big thrill to be there. I, yeah. It just totally immerses you in that feeling of being in 1887 in the American West Territories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you get to keep your wardrobe? No, I didn't. Not on that one. It was yeah. um, sort of Amish, um, you know, very plain black with a white mm-hmm. apron. But um, sometimes I get to keep my wardrobe, but usually it's so bloody by the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to take it home in my suitcase. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Makes makes sense. Have you kept, have you kept any trinkets from other movies? Mm, Yeah. I have a rubber knife from um, Haunting Fear (laughs) and I, I, I'm not a big collector myself. Um, you know, I, I let things go to other people that really want them. I read the uh, Haunting Fear, you said, is uh, one of your favorite roles, uh, mm-hmm. your favorite movies you've been in. Uh, why is that? What What is special about, uh, about the movie? Well, I had started working for Fred Olin Ray, and um, he showed me the script, and I thought that he wanted me to read for the part of the sexy secretary. And mm-hmm. he said, no, I want you for the lead role. For Victoria. 
And I was amazed because she's in almost the entire film in every scene. So it was the biggest role I had had, and I really appreciated his faith in me to do it. I got to work with Jen Michael Vincent and Karen Black and Robert Corey. So it was pretty amazing. And um, I live until the end of the movie. <laughs> you know, so I, I one close, of the few yeah. movies so far I survived in. But it never came out on DVD. The, it came out on VHS. And then the rights got tied up. Mm. And the rights won't revert—excuse re, me—revert back to Fred for another year or two, and then I hope he plans to put it out. He's not sure if there's still enough interest in it, mm. but uh, I know a lot of people really want to see it that have never been able to. Yeah, it's it's actually one I've not seen, and I would like to see it. And I think you know, with all the all the people in it, I think I, I think there's definitely an audience that that would like to watch it. Mm-hmm. I yeah. do too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I the certainly like. Go on, I liked my role in it because I play a woman who is slowly being driven insane by mm-hmm. her conniving husband. It's kind of a gas lamp, gaslight kind of movie, <laughs> um, and and it was fun because we don't shoot a movie in order; it's shot out of order. Mm-hmm. So on any given day, I had to ask myself, "How crazy am I today?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you have more fun playing the villain or or the the hero in a movie? I like playing the villain. Uh-huh. Um, I, I've done both. I started out as victims and I would get killed in a movie. And then producers like Fred realized that there were more interesting things they could do with me than kill me. <laughs> so I did do turns where I would start out maybe the innocent victim and I would become the villain. Like I would get possessed by an evil spirit or I would turn into a vampire and I would finish the film evil. And I much more enjoyed that. I, I was really good playing victims. I was good at running and screaming and looking terrified. Mm-hmm. But it's much more fun to be evil because usually the villains are smarter than the heroes and they have the better lines. Yes, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that's why most people do. Uh, a lot of the horror franchises, you know, the most memorable characters are the, uh, are the villains. Mm-hmm. I think so too. I always enjoy watching movies that have like mad scientists in them because they're mm-hmm. just so delightful to watch. I agree. Yeah. What are some of your favorite horror movies? Not necessarily that you've been in, but just your favorite horror movies. Mm-hmm. Well, the um, Hammer films, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed all of those. And I used to say like The Haunting of Hill House, but mm-hmm. I watched that again recently. And it wasn't scary. You know, we've evolved so much that what used to be scary isn't. And I remember when I saw it as a kid, it terrified me when something's Mm -hmm. turning the doorknob and something's holding her hand and it's not the woman she thinks it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Things like that. I still love The Legend of Hell House Mm -hmm. um, starring Roddy McDowell. I thought that was a wonderful movie. And the camera work on that is so Mm -hmm. excellent. The ending, of course, is not great, but... Neither was the novel by Robert Block. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as, like as, a, as a short guy, I, I can uh, I can uh, feel the the man's pain. Yeah, yeah. I like those movies where it's like a scientific expedition mm-hmm. and they document things and it just I just love that film. I probably saw it four or five times. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, I that, actually, was at, that was at the marathon I was at this weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. Wasn't the camera work great? Yeah, it's that? great. 
The, o- the only yeah. thing I'll say is they picked it to play last, and after you're up like ten hours, it's it's a great movie, but it's it's probably the wrong place to to place the movie. Should have been yeah. earlier in the night, but yeah, I always love the movie too. Yeah, and then when the Evil Dead series came out, I really liked those. Mm-hmm. Um, I especially like the the critter cam, as they call it, where the camera's <laughs> yes, like yes. skittering across the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that was like very influential because then, like you know, everyone started to do that, where the the camera's flying in. And it's really smart too because you didn't, uh, you know, uh, they could get away with something original uh, with not really showing a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, just, and everybody yeah. was so good in that. It really, um, Bruce Campbell was just such a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't imagine anyone else in that role. Mm-mm. No, he was just perfect for it. He was such an icon in that era. And I watch all the horror movies that come out, but I didn't like the torture porn, as they call it, like yeah. Saw series and stuff like that. I watched the first one and that was enough. I really didn't need to see any more of that. I yeah. liked uh, Cabin in the Woods because it too. was just so sarcastic and ironic and different. Yeah. That was really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the bigger horror movie fan you are, the more you're going to notice in it. It's it's really well done. Mm-hmm. Like that Geico commercial that's on. Have you seen that where um, the teens are using every cliche? We're like, <laughs> right. no, let's run to the graveyard. No, let's yeah. go down to the basement. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's 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 hide behind the chainsaws. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that look <laughs> on the killer's face is like, oh boy. <laughs> it's fun, you know, when people can uh, not take horror too seriously and and poke fun at the cliches. Yeah. Yeah. Are you surprised horror has become so mainstream? Yes, in a way I am. It was popular starting in the 70s, 80s, because it could be made very cheaply. Mm-hmm. And it was popular. People like to see it. They like to be scared and go on that roller coaster ride of fear and laughter and fear and laughter. Um, but it has become more mainstream. And, and I'm glad that it's being accepted more because it was always kind of linked with pornography where Mm -hmm. people who did horror movies were not regarded very highly. Mm -hmm. You know, like my resume was all horror and it was very hard for me to get an agent because they said, all you've done is B movie horror films. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, yeah, but I've played a doctor, the president, a judge, a teacher, a nurse, I can play anything. I have played all these roles. And they're like, well, nobody's going to take you seriously with this resume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, when I just talked to Ken Free recently, he brought that up he said, about Dawn of the Dead. Was he lost like friends and, and, and uh, you know, uh, agents and stuff because of uh, being in Dawn of the Dead, even though, you know, now people uh, love zombies and like you can buy you know, kids zombie shirts at Walmart. But at the time it was a, you know, totally different thing. It was, you know, not seen as it a was. prestigious thing to be in Dawn of the Dead. No. And now we all have the last laugh because horror became hugely popular with a sub group, an audience. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely had its audience, which has swelled and grown. And then you get stores in the mall, like hot topic that are selling <laughs> yeah. clothes and stuff. And it, really went mainstream and i'm happy to see that yeah yeah it's weird because when i was a kid i grew up in the 80s 
and it was it would be hard to find uh, a horror movie t-shirt like you'd have to probably send away in like Fangoria or something to, to get one but now you like you said you could uh, hot topic you can get even like some some pretty obscure horror movie t-shirts mm-hmm Indeed, yeah. It's funny when I go to conventions because almost everybody is wearing black t-shirts with some kind yeah, right. of horror movie thing on the front. It's like yeah. a uniform. Uh-huh. That's because uh, I've done uh, panels, you know, hosting the panels. My, and that was always my go-to joke was if I was asking questions from the audience, I'd say, uh, you in the black t-shirt. Mm. And it usually mm-hmm. would get a laugh. Yeah. Or people just don't know funny. what I was talking about. I thought it was funny, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's, I got some questions here from uh, Facebook. Uh, Douglas Epps wants to know, out of all your films you've done, what is your favorite? Well, I would have said Haunting Fear, but mm-hmm. now I have to say it's the Personal Demons, the one I wrote, directed, and starred in that yeah. came out last year. Um, actually, I don't know if it, it either came out last year or this year. I'm not sure. It was in the in the works for quite a while. Um mm-hmm. It, it started out, um, I had worked with Joe Castro on several movies, including Terror Tunes 2 and um, a couple of things on Terror Tunes 3. And he said, I'm getting ready to do Terror Tunes 4, which they're anthology films. And he said, mm-hmm. I'm taking submissions for some of the anthologies in there for the short films. He said, if you want to submit anything. So I submitted a synopsis of one page. And he said, I really like that. Why don't you flush it out into a 30-page script? So I did, and I submitted it to Joe. And he called me, and he said, I, I want to have a meeting with you. And I'm like, oh, he sounds like he hates it. So I came over, <laughs> and he said, I love your script. And he said, I love it so much that I want to stay true to your vision. Would you like to direct it? And I said, wow, yeah, but you know, I wrote the lead part for myself. I'm in the whole movie. And he mm-hmm. said, that's fine. You can write it and, you know, be in it and direct it all. So we did. And uh, I really appreciated his faith and belief in me. It turned out wonderfully. The entire film, all 36 minutes, is against a green screen. Mm-hmm. And we found some amazing backgrounds. I play a character who gets uh, released from a mental hospital and you know, tries to make her way in the world. Um, but I... I am so grateful to Joe for giving me that chance. He's a guy I've known since he was probably 16 years old. He Mm -hmm. won a contest in Monsterland magazine to come out to California. And he did. He came out with his mother and I was the mascot, Evola, for Monsterland. Mm -hmm. So he got to do a photo shoot with me. And he said, you know, as soon as I graduate from high school, I want to come to Hollywood and be a special effects artist. And sure enough, he did. And he ended up working on uh, Teenage Exorcist, a film Mm -hmm. I also wrote the script on, and a number of other films. And then he became a producer and gave me my first directing job. So that's how wonderful it is in my part of the industry. Yeah, that's all. That's an awesome story, you know, from uh, from a 16 year old. Now he's I know you were in his recent movies, uh, Xenophobia. And uh, I had him on recently and he talked very highly of you. Oh, thank you. Yes, he's a wonderful guy and he he certainly doesn't forget his friends. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't actually know that he won the that's how he uh, he uh, got to like Hollywood, though, winning the contest stuff. That's very cool. Yes. Yeah. It's 16 years old. Yeah. It's funny how, you know, he's been in my life ever since then. 
Mm-hmm. So it's really weird how these connections work. You know, like we talked about Linnea being in my life for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Seth William Chatfield, uh, who are your heroes? Hmm. Well, my heroes are people in real life, <laughs> more uh-huh. or less, like Marie Curie and Albert Einstein and people like that. Mm-hmm. But in horror movies... Um, Ingrid Pitt was quite a role model for me, and we talked about Bruce Campbell. Uh, I look up to him, people mm-hmm. like that. Uh, Brian Enright, did you have fun shooting Grandmother's House? Yes, I did. We shot it over about a month and a half in Redlands, California, and we lived there. Um, it was really hard to be away from home for so long. But I enjoyed playing this character. She's only called the woman in the credits. And I'm in the movie a lot, but I I almost have no dialogue at all. And it was interesting to try to get into that character's head. I recently did an interview when they re-released it on Blu-ray. And uh, I'm kind of the go-to people for these Blu-ray special feature interviews (laughs) because I'm like the only one that's still left in Hollywood. And in grandmother's house, I believe the two grandparents have both passed away. And the two kids, um, Eric and Kim, didn't stay in acting. Nobody Mm -hmm. could find them. They were gone. So I've done so many Blu-ray interviews uh, because I'm the only one left (laughs) from these 80s movies. (laughs) When you watch a movie like that, because when you talk about your favorite movies, do you... um... Do you watch them as movies or is it more of like the memories of making the movie and the experience of making it? I really hate to watch myself. I'm so critical and I sometimes will look and say, why did I do that? Why didn't the director tell me to do something different? I'm so critical. So sometimes I'll be given a movie and it'll take me, months if not a year before I finally have the nerve to watch it and usually I'm fine with it I'm like oh that was pretty good (laughs) but um yeah it's just really hard for me to watch myself yeah I understand uh Tommy Kovac this is an odd question he says why did you do scream queen hot tub party oh well um it was an idea that I originally came up with myself And I took it to Fred Ray and I said, you know, I'd kind of like to do something like this, where it's a parody on our work. And um, Fred sort of ran with it and took it to Jim Wynorski. They co-directed it. And I kind of got shut out of the project. I always got a royalty Mm. on sales, but I wasn't really acknowledged as the creator, the originator of that idea. So that's what it was meant to be. It was supposed to be a comedy that poked fun at the the horror movie girl cliches. Mm -hmm. Well, that's unfortunate, though. You didn't get more uh, credit there. Well, sometimes that happens. You know, it's a man's world. (laughs) Well, that's, that's definitely changing, as you said, about uh, uh, female directors and horror. And that's, uh, you know, it's, uh, that's another thing about horror, though, is um, they really have embraced uh, uh, females because, uh, you know, we have mm-hmm. the women in horror is, is women in horror month. And, you know, uh, there's festivals that are, you know, they really showcase uh, women directors. And I don't know if that's 
as uh, prevalent in other in other genres. No, I don't think so. And if you look back uh, on early horror movies, the stars were all men, like Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi, and you know. And then in more recent horror, the stars were also men, but they had masks on, like Freddy and Jason. And then you got into our era, the 80s and 90s, where it was these beautiful women that were willing to take their clothes off. And we became the new stars, the original Scream Queens. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, Fay Ray was probably the original Scream mm, Queen, but we point. were part yeah. of an era. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, by the way, when did you first, when did Scream Queen, like, when did you first hear that term? Um, I hadn't heard it until they started calling me a screen queen in <laughs> right. the 80s. But I read an article that it was probably first used in the 1940s. So I don't know if it was applied to Fay Ray or who it was applied to. But, you know, you got to admit there were those 50s black and white monster movies usually oh, yeah. radiation you know things where the scientist's daughter would just scream her head off and be helpless yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's always been a, a popular trope where you have the screaming female that has to be rescued by the hero from the monster mm-hmm. yeah um, well, i'm glad you mentioned fay ray because uh, i that uh, i never thought i never really put that together but that's definitely uh, someone who deserves up there as a scream queen King mm-hmm. Kong. Uh, Eminence Hills. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Eminence Hills coming out in November. Select theaters and on video demand. And uh, it's maybe a different uh, kind of movie than uh, people normally um, who listen to this show will watch. But I really dug it. And I think everyone out there, I think uh, Westerns kind of, I think that appeals to everybody. Indeed. I hope a lot of people will go see it. And I'm looking forward to seeing it myself. Yeah, I didn't realize you didn't see it until we started talking. So, I no, kind of feel I bad haven't yet. I was, the, yeah. the, the screening was in uh, Arizona recently, and I couldn't get over there. Oh, I, I was see. in Florida. Uh, what was it? I okay. know you said it was fun shooting it. Is Arizona a nice place? I've never been there. Yeah, yeah. I did another movie in uh, also in January after finishing Eminence Hill called Maya. And uh, I enjoy Arizona. I especially like going up to Sedona and hiking in the Red Rocks. Mm-hmm. Okay, very cool. Well, I appreciate you doing this, Brink, and I'd love to do it again sometime. Okay, well, thank you so much. I appreciate you wanting to have me on your show. Definitely. And uh, I was going to ask where people could follow you, but you're Brink Stevens. Just put in Brink Stevens and Google, you'll, you'll find you. On Facebook, I do. I have, a, I have a, a website. It's brink.com. Mm-hmm. And I have several pages, uh, groups on Facebook. So look for me there. Very good. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate this. Thank you so much, Neil. Talk to you soon. Yep. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye bye.
Good evening, everyone. This is Keith David, and you're listening to Without Your Head. Here at the station of Decapitation Without Your Head, I'm Nasty Neal. I'm joined with horror icon, and honestly one of my favorites, not just because he's here, and he's much bigger than me, Ken Free. Plus I paid you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right we're not going to talk about okay, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's under the table. Yeah, so. Okay. <laughs> How you doing? Man? I'm very good. I'm very good. I haven't seen you since uh, since Guys and Fries, I think. Yes, yes, Guys and Fries. I love that. I, I <laughs> love it so much I wanted another picture immediately no. the next time I saw you, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I think it was actually no more, no more. So we're at Rock Get that guy away from me. <laughs> yeah. We're at Rock and Shock. Yes, we are. Worcester. It's not very nice outside, but it'll be it's, nice in the in the convention. Oh gosh, forgot how uh, the East Coast can change so easily the the uh, weather and and uh, yesterday not bad. I arrived and first time being in California, of course, first time I saw the change of the yeah. the leaves and the trees and it was so beautiful. I'm used to it, but yeah, I loved it. I just said, oh, this is so beautiful. I just miss this. And then today, this uh, half sleet, half snow, whatever the hell's going on. <laughs> uh-huh. not, not so much fun. Yeah. Not That's so like fun. people aren't around snow. They think it looks really... It does look nice when it first lands. It's nice. Yeah, yes, from a distance, you know. <laughs> right. Then you're around it for yeah, a while. My mother tells me all the time, oh, it's, a, it's beautiful, so it's going to be a white Christmas. I say, yeah, to be able to shovel it. <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it, yeah, it's not a different so perspective. That's so <laughs> So when I announce you're on, a lot of people want to ask, obviously, about Dawn of the Dead. Oh, yeah, okay. So I just want to know, like, about Dawn of the Dead, um, have, were you always, like, um, happy that you were in Dawn of the Dead? Was there ever a time, like, you didn't like to talk about Dawn of the Dead? Besides right now? Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I, come on, it was a great, great adventure for us. We had a good time. It was uh, fun. Uh, I guess... Unusual because we're in a shopping mall. Yeah. We're shooting in a shopping mall. Um, and we were shooting nights and we spent a lot of time at that mall. There were a few other locations that were, that were kind of interesting. Uh-huh. So it was, nice, it was a nice time to shoot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a nice place to shoot. Um, but I get tired of talking about it. I got a lot of other things to talk about. Sure. So, you know, so that's just 40, 40, over 40 years ago now. Yeah. So, and everybody's asked. The questions, yeah, and the questions that always seem to be the same. So, mm-hmm. I, if, if you, my preference, of course, is to uh, move on to other things. Say to talk yeah. about it a little bit, but move on to other things. I'm not going to stick with uh, Dawn of the Dead because I've said everything there's to say, and yeah. they, you know. That's why I thought I'd ask if you, if you, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, most people know more than I do at this point. <laughs> right, yeah. but you remember heard, they, they heard 32 from, minutes and they've heard from George. Yeah. They've heard from uh, Richard. They've heard from uh, Galen Scott. Uh, uh, David. They've heard from everybody. You know, yeah. and, and plus a. a Hundreds of soul zombies and special effects yeah. people and everybody else. Yeah. What I was interested in, it's not really about the movie, but it's about how the the rise of zombies in the mo- in like modern time. Yes. Is that, has that surprised you? And it's so like mainstream. Like you could buy like zombie t shirts in like Walmart. For, like I, I was I was I was surprised when it was vampires. Uh huh. And I, 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 you know, I saw re- slight references to zombies in certain films, but not, not really, not really the craze that it is now. Uh, am I surprised with, with the um, current, um, uh, I guess, the Walking Dead craze and yeah. that kind of thing? And 
and so many other films are including zombies and they have zombies mm-hmm. that are in this and <laughs> and they don't may not call them zombies but they are right, but yeah, they're, they're, they're infected they're not what is, zombies what is, that, what is that is that curfew or there's something on, on one of these HBO or one of the channels that has uh, Billy Zane in it hmm. you can't think of what it is it's, it's uh, I think you almost have to stream it yeah. to and I, 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 it looks like it's shot in Canada or something very cleverly done they're zombies, right? Yeah. Not saying it, yeah. they are. Uh-huh. So you know, I, no, I didn't expect it to to be as uh, popular today uh, as it uh, as as it's grown. Yeah, since, since our since our day. Yeah, uh, you had all George's films, of course. So he he certainly did his bit. But also, you had uh, several other people that were you know, have to produce zombies. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, Resident Evil? Yeah, it's like a, a video yeah. game like in yeah, the yeah, 90s, yeah, I think, yeah, in the 2000s. Yeah. I think there was a... Um, and like Italian ones. Oh, the Italian ones. There's one that's uh, it's very popular, uh, English one. Oh, yeah, that's one where they say it's not zombies. They say they're infected. They're infected, uh, exactly, yeah, yeah. they're infected. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it looks like zombies to me, you know. They, they look gray. They yeah. look kind of. I mean, I get corrected if yeah. I consider it a zombie. It's yeah. twenty-eight days later. Twenty-eight days later. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not. It's, no, of course it's a zombie. Film. <laughs> yeah. You know. But anyway, you know, they, I, I, I never expected it to be as um, popular. Certainly, that yeah. it is. Yeah. For those who are into uh, it, who it's enjoy. a little weird uh, kid who grew up in the in the horror movies and like I was kind of a weirdo. <laughs> But, you know, now everyone's like, now it's common to see people with, uh, and it's, it is, I guess it's kind of like people who like, like a band before they take off. And then like yeah. everyone's wearing the band, like Metallica or something like, ah, oh, they, they, they weren't there when, you know, not, now everyone's, you know, watching these things. Yeah. I, I, I watched the walking dead and I saw the bad base and I saw how much coverage it was getting and all the people talking about it. Yeah. I said, these people were housewives. Well, they'd be watching <laughs> the, the Guiding Light or, yeah. or uh, some other soap opera, you know, the General Hospital. They weren't watching zombie movies. Yeah. Now they're into zombie movies because it's very popular and it's very clean. Yeah. We should, uh, we should, yeah, yeah. No, cheek. Oh, no. Oh, cheek. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You know? So, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I'm into Walking Dead. Did you see the one? Who are these people? They yeah. were here before, uh-huh. and they won't be back again. That's the thing. I've talked to like uh, other people who said like, because some people think it's good, like The Walking Dead, because it'll bring in new people. But yeah. uh, other people, like John Dugan, has said like it doesn't really. That doesn't make them horror fans. They might come to a convention, but they only come to, to see the Walking Dead people. They're not going to buy T-shirts from the vendors or or talk to people from other you know. No, movies. they are they are fans of. of, of the Walking Dead, and that's basically it. Mm-hmm. And if the Walking Dead, uh, you know, I guess they'll stop at some point to stop uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. filming it, and uh, it's no longer on network. They won't. They'll talk about it, but mm-hmm. they'll go on with their lives, and they won't be. They won't. They won't go see um, the next Halloween fr- right. franchise. Yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's not for them. You uh-huh. know. You know. They won't go see my next film either. So, <laughs> so what the hell. <laughs> You mentioned streaming. How has that changed you, your life as an actor, like the rise of streaming? Well, it's, it's, an, it's an outlet, so, so it's mm-hmm. great, you know. You know any, it's, 
uh, any networks, you on demand. I mean, you got uh, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, um, you you name it. I think Apple has one coming out or has one that is starting or have started. Uh, anytime you have these these various outlets uh, uh, for film and TV, and you can hire actors, it's a good thing. Yeah. So I'm all for more, more. Yeah. You keep bringing them. Yeah. I really like the documentary you were in um, Horror Noir. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Great. And so, yeah, I had the the people made it on the show, uh-huh. and good uh, thing uh, the director Black it was on when I got him on the show, which I was really excited about. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, do you know why they? Uh, like paired you up with Keith David. There was good interaction between the two. I don't know. We fit, I guess. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> it, it, worked. it worked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh, uh, they they asked me would I would I want to go on with Keith David, and mm-hmm. I said yeah, and I said sure, why not? Yeah, I didn't you know, know if yeah, you guys I'm, had I'm a history together or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? I didn't know if you guys had a history together. No, I've met Keith uh, once or twice before. Mm-hmm. No, just in passing, yeah. almost. You know. So you both have great voices. He has a wonderful voice. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what uh, he was a a, a teacher, mm-hmm. and I think it was voice teacher, never a teacher, English teacher or literary teacher, I'm sure. But he also has something to do with uh, you know, yeah speaking and that kind of thing. So he's, he's developed a, a wonderful tone and a wonderful, wonderful yeah instrument. Mm-hmm. So he does well. Mm-hmm. Well, you see, you hear him in a lot of. Uh, Voiceovers, yeah, that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's good. that seems to to be getting out there more after when it first came out. Like there's people talking about, but it seems like people are talking more about horror noir now as as time goes on. I have no idea. I, I think it hasn't. I think I haven't heard enough about it. Yeah, you know, not yeah, I, talking, more, I, you I know. thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just not not as. Um, as well publicized or viewed as I thought it might be, I think it may take some time mm-hmm. to really develop an audience and really get out there. It's one of those pieces where, where a lot of people see it, but it still has to really gain its um, uh, stronger audience and recognition before you know you can say this is one of the classics or you know, certainly this is a must see. Yeah, kind of yeah. Not to bring it back to the zombie movies, but. Uh, you know, the Romero movies, I always think they're, like, timeless, especially the first two, because they don't really bring attention to the fact that Dwayne Jones is, is a black guy in the movie or that you're, that you're you know, you just happen to be. Me or Terry Alexander or, uh, yeah, the, the but it's not, ones. like, really a part of the movie. You just guys are, but yeah. it's, like, people aren't bringing attention to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I, I think. But I guess yeah. that in itself brings attention to it. Well, come on, Dwayne Jones being a black guy in 1968. Yeah. I mean, the and, other characters and, aren't really referencing it. No. And, and he's, um, uh, I think, as I said earlier, someone else says it was uh, Sidney Portier with Lilies of the Field and did yeah. Dwayne Jones uh, with this. And I can't think of another black actor that had that kind of, that kind of exposure mm-hmm. uh, before that. I mean, you, you can go back to... Uh, some of the greats, uh, Annie McDaniel, or received an Oscar but couldn't couldn't uh, they set her up in some room somewhere on some yeah. uh, outside of the, the facility because she couldn't sit with the white people and get a, yeah. receive an Oscar. Um, or um, the one had the great voice, 
as long as William Marshall, who I thought was one of the actors who was just overlooked, overlooked, you know, just one of the great, great uh, voices, certainly, and certainly one of the great talents in terms of, as, as an actor in our, in our, in our industry. And uh, James Edwards, I think his name was, James Edwards, mm -hmm. another actor who, and uh, yeah, he worked a lot. Very good, very good, excellent, great. He had a lot of talent under him. He was interested in watch. And I found that he, um, someone told me, after he died, that he died of a broken heart. Mm -hmm. You know, so there, you know, it was important, special, that Dwayne had that part. I think that uh, a lot of people were affected, affected by the, 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 mm -hmm. his uh, portrayal of that part. He was uh, special. I mean, we, we go back a long way. I don't know if you Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you know him. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah I knew him. We were in the same uh, theater activist group in mm -hmm. Harlem. And um, I saw the win almost every day, mm -hmm. you know, for a couple of years. Yeah. And he, uh, when... So, uh, Night of the Dead came out. There was a movie theater on 125th Street, about four blocks, three, four blocks from where our theater was based. And I passed by, and there was the wind all over the place. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I ran back. I said, Dwayne, Dwayne, you're, you're in this movie, man. It's on the shh. Don't show any shoes. Don't mention it. Don't mention it. You're all over the damn marquee. Everybody <laughs> in the world's gonna yeah, see yeah. it. So he was, you know, he was kind of quiet about it. But uh, yeah, I, I um, Dwayne and I were part of a generation that, uh, you know, we were same, part of the same generation. Mm -hmm. we were yeah, hung together. We spent a great deal of time um, with some of the people in the civil rights movement during that okay. time. I didn't mean that. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. When, when, when you went into acting, like when you, when did you like decide you wanted to become an actor? Were, were you pretty young? Uh, I no 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 no. I uh, and it it, uh, it wasn't something I really chose to be. Mm -hmm. I kind of fell into it. Yeah. You know? I um, I did a, a, a play. I had a photography studio, and uh, we got robbed and lost all of our equipment, our dark room equipment, our great cameras, because we had some great, great yeah. nice cameras. And, and, and plus, uh, you know, all you use all your dark room equipment, and at that time, we would, you know, you send your film out now. If you're a photographer, yeah. most photographers, I think they'll shoot and send their stuff out to Kodak or somebody to to. Fuji or somebody to make eight by tens. Okay, yeah. um, um, so get what's called a sheet of their uh, film so they can take a look at it. But then back in those days, you could also do, you know develop your own stuff. Yeah, we had our own little dark room. We had a studio. We lost it, and because somebody just 
came in and took everything we had. And we were so, we were just new, so we didn't have insurance and mm-hmm. anything. So we were, we were up the street. I was hanging with an actress who I knew. Uh, and we were just having tea one day. I, you know, it was a, it's a very nice relationship. She's a nice person. And, I, you know, we were just spending some time talking. And that's basically it. We talk, walk, you know, hang around. And I, you know, she told me, she said, listen, I'm, matter of fact, I saw her, she had a, in her kitchen, she had a picture, 8 by 10 of her in an acting class, I guess, but doing a scene. And the guy she was doing a scene with was a former New York Jet football player. Okay. And I knew him. I said, that's Eddie Bell. She said, yeah. I said, okay. And he looked so intense. I said, wow, that was intense. Wasn't it? She said, well, he was okay. I, you guys look like you're really into it. Yeah. So later, we, you know, that afternoon, she said, listen, i got to go down to um, 42nd Street and audition for a play that you're in now. It was for Mr. Charlie, my brother. Mm-hmm. Why don't you come and hang with me and we go outside. You got some, something to eat afterwards? And yeah. I don't know. I said, great, let's do that. I had nothing else to do. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Just lost my, lost my studio. And... Um, Went down and I watched everyone audition. Um, I said, gee, this might be a nice place to hang out for about a week or two. Yeah. While I figure out what I'm going to do. I'm like, okay, yeah, something else. I, I'm going to do something else. So let's figure out where I'm going to go from this point. Mm-hmm. And then we get another studio. Gotta, you know how much money got to, to generate to get another camera, a couple, couple more cameras, you know. We talked to my partners, so it just, just was in a kind of a limbo. I didn't know where, where I was going or where I was going. I said, well, this might be a nice place to hang out for a minute. Well, it was. Yeah. Uh, the beautiful woman, I said, well, I'll go up and let me read. Uh-huh. So I said, can I read? Said, yeah. So I just after the script. Mm-hmm. Went up and read, got the lead in off Broadway play. That was the beginning. Yeah, did you just fall in love with it like right away? Or? Oh, of course I was bitten. Mm-hmm. Of course, I was bitten. Man. I mean, was, <laughs> I'll tell you a story. We we enjoyed. Uh, we'd have rehearsals, and then all the actors would go to the local bar after rehearsals yeah. and have drinks. Mm-hmm. And after about a week and a half, I said, this has got to stop. i got to stop hanging with these people. They're drunk. <laughs> 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 They're drinking all the time. Yeah, yeah. I said, no, I'll be an alcoholic for uh-huh. a month if I keep this up. Yeah. Get out of here. So, but, but it, yeah, I was, um, I, of course I was a bit done. Yeah. You can't, can as a lead in off Broadway play, we, uh, we got, it was a strange production in terms of, you know, some of the changes we, we had to go through to get it really up and running. Mm-hmm. And eventually we were at the Manhattan Theater Club, and uh, which is a very, uh, very, uh, I guess, it's an Upper East Side Theater. Okay. You know, out of prestige. Yeah. And uh, I got good reviews, and that was the beginning. So, yeah. Since that's like your first time acting, and you get like the yes, lead, did, yes. do you feel like you were like a natural at it right away? I, I didn't know. Uh-huh. I didn't know. I, you know, I just, um, 
I tried to be as iniquitive as I could. I really didn't know. Um, so after that, I I got I did another uh, play called Uncle Tom's Cabin at the mm-hmm. WPA Theater. Yeah, I played a small role, one of the slave guys, but I had some lines, that kind of thing. Yeah. It was an adventure. Met a lot of actors who were struggling and, 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 and trying to, to, to. And that was the interesting thing, to meet so many people who wanted to extend their careers, wanted to uh, grab that brass ring, mm-hmm. wanted to, uh, you know, make a name for themselves in the industry. And we could, but not quite we're going to make it. You never did. And uh, that's how I found out about uh, Donald Padilla, as a matter of fact. Yeah. About doing um, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Really? Back to ne- yeah, back to next to me. Oh, God, God, God. Can I remember his name? Um, he was, uh, we were putting on our makeup and kind of thing, getting ready to go on stage. He said, hey, Ken. No, we're taking off our makeup. It was finished. So we finished the production. He said, Ken, John Carrier. Okay. Ron, Ron Carrier. Ron, Ron Carrier is his name. And his thing was, he, he, he was going with a very beautiful blonde girl. I forget her name. But they were looking for somebody to play Bogart and, uh, uh not Bogart, uh, Clark Gable, and I guess, I guess, and um, Carol Lombard. Okay. Oh, yeah. They were looking for those, those two characters. Yeah. Hollywood was going to put on a movie. I think, uh, I forget who did it eventually, but, and he, in, in his case, said, yeah, we're going to, we're going to make that, and we're going <laughs> yeah. we're 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 to go out for that, because we look, you know, he had kind of a look, you know, a look, you know, he had the ears of Bogart, of yeah, uh, yeah. Gable, and he had the, um, you know, he had kind of a, a kind of a look, that he, he was a lot thinner, but uh-huh. uh, a lot, his face was a lot thinner, but, you know, he, would, he could gain a little weight, maybe he could carry it, and she was certainly very, very beautiful, but the chances of him getting it was so, but he believed it. Yeah. And he said, we're going to give it a shot. I don't think they ever got a shot at even getting close to an audition. Mm-hmm. But he told me about Dawn. He said, listen, there's something that uh, they're casting in Midtown. Mm-hmm. You might be right for you. You want to try out for him? So yeah, give me the address. That's mm-hmm. how I got up there. So anyway, uh, I did uh, another... I did another play in Midtown. And called the Good Ship Credit <laughs> with some very interesting people. And, and no, I did, there was another play I did. I did a, uh, there's a place called Hazel Bryant, the Hazel Bryant Theater. And that was right across from the Lincoln Center in New York. And right around the corner, and it was in a, a building that had dance studios and that kind of thing. And they had this theater. And Hazel Bryant paid us about Forty or third, forty to sixty dollars a week, mm-hmm. and we just do, do plays. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we were like resident yeah. actors, 
And it was me, Jackie. Jackie, you know who that is? No. She's, they, no her name's Jackie, so you look her up. She was okay. in, she was in, um, she's in everything now. She's okay. in television. She does a lot of work. She mm-hmm. did a lot of work. She was in 227. Oh, yeah, Room 227. Yeah. You remember the, the sexy one? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, I know who Jackie is. Jackie, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Jackie. Loretta Divine, mm-hmm. you know Loretta Divine. Mm, yeah. Loretta Divine works everywhere uh-huh. and has worked everywhere. She's constantly on television in every series you can imagine as uh, one of the leads. Yeah. And it's probably somebody I would know if I did. All you have to see a face, you definitely know. Um, Jim Pickens. Jim was is in the oh, it's one of the hospital dramas. I can't think of the name of it now, but it's one of the very popular ones, okay. and he's been there since I must have been on that show 10, 15 years at this point. Yeah. Uh, uh, Candy Alexander, who's worked in everything and leads and everything else in, in major major, uh, major films and also with uh, in, in television. Mm-hmm. All of them, and myself, <laughs> we worked for $60 a week yeah. at Hazel Bryant's Theater, uh-huh. and that's where we Got our chops, you know, and at the same time, I was, you know, there were a few other plays I did, and in between that, I did a Kojak, and I started studying at the Michael Schumann uh, performing, uh, performing Arts Studio, mm-hmm. and he was a former teacher at Strasburg, which there were many yeah. in New York at that time, yeah. former, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, he was, um, and I started, I started studying right after I I think I did. Uh, I I think I did things all long. Traveling All Stars. Yeah, I did. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. I did Bingo Long, Traveling All Stars, and Motor Kings. I did Kojak, uh, guest star on Kojak, mm-hmm. and Bingo Long was with James Earl Jones, Billy Dee Wee, oh, wow. Richard Pryor. Oh, who else? Who else? Tony Burton. Uh, Tony Burton, you would know he was the corner man for Apollo Creed and the Rocky Oh, yeah, yeah. Rocky, ball-headed guy, yeah. yeah. Just died recently. Yeah. Uh, Stan Shaw, who I see, I've seen occasionally recently. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's been around. Fried Green Tomatoes, I think. Okay, yeah. Stan Shaw. Uh, um, and the cast of thousands. That's a whole story in itself. I can spend an hour talking about that film. That experience, yeah, um, and uh, eventually, that, that's how you know it just all happened. And then Dawn of the Dead, mm-hmm. as I said, I was doing uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin, and I'm not sure which came first in terms of. I think I'm almost sure that I was in the in Michael Schumann's performing gallery, art, art, performing arts gallery, on and I had already. Shot uh, Bingo Long and the Kojak, and I think I was. I should, maybe I shot even Dawn of the Dead. No, no, I don't think so. No, I didn't. I hadn't. I hadn't. I hadn't. Because my 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 teacher Michael Schumann came to see the screening of Dawn of the Dead. Okay. Okay. And uh, several people from my. What do you think of it? Well, to tell you the truth. He said, Ken, I don't think they'll see it. 
don't think they'll realize how good of an actor you are in this part. Mm. And, uh, that's what he thought. Yeah. And, um, and then I lost friends also. Because of being yeah. like a, a... To being Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Not everybody, you know, I mean, it's, you know, everybody's on the band, you know, on the wagon yeah. now. And, hey, Dawn of the Dead. And mm-hmm. all the fans are there. And it's a big fan base. And certainly those people who are in the genre are really, really yeah. excited about it. But there were a lot of people who gave me uh, a big headache about this thing. You know, mm-hmm. being, being a part of, uh, part of a movie like this. Some people would say, you are you in that movie? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that night of the screening for the first public screening, or maybe we opened in New York, I'm not sure if we opened in New York, a uh, reporter from the New York Times said to me, I'm sitting with friends and a date and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, we're sitting talking and we're having drinks and it's the very best of times. Yeah. So, how do you feel? How does it feel to kill kill kids? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a movie, it's fantasy here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. We're, what do you think? Uh-huh. But I mean, it was just you know a lot of people just you know I had friends that just when they saw it they turned their back on it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So at that time, did you regret doing it at all? No. Uh huh. No, not at all. Yeah. No, I didn't. You know, I. I thought it was a lark. I thought it was fun. I thought mm-hmm. it was a good time. I thought I got some experience. Yeah. Uh, I got to. Uh, it, I, I. It was. It was part of my education as an actor. Yeah. So I. I. I, I, I considered it a, a great opportunity. Yeah. You know the. Uh, uh, if I could do it again, I'd, I'd just things differently. Of course, sure. um, that is almost everything I do, but certainly this. Yeah. But um, no, I, 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 I was happy to do it. But again, the realities are, right. you know, my teacher thought one way, other people turned their back on me. Uh, some said, you're in that movie and wow. turned up their nose and walked away. Yeah. And, you know, so it was, it was, you know, a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Didn't bother do, me. Do you, do you ever still do um, uh, theater acting? Uh, I haven't done anything in a long while, and you know it, it's you know if I would love to do something, but I'd have to be in the right situation. I, yeah. I would love to be part of a theater group, mm-hmm. but it have to be in the right situation somewhere where uh, probably close to Hollywood, and I live like seventy miles outside of Hollywood. Yeah. I just, I just, from understand the theater's not real uh, big in that area. It, it, it's, it's there's theater. Yeah, there, there are places. Certainly, people do do theater. I mean, I can tell you many people who you see now that are major stars who right. developed an audience through theater in okay. L.A. You know, so, mm-hmm. so there's 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 a small there's theater in L.A. and uh, you know you can get I can get involved in it, but. Again, you have to be close enough. At this point, I'm way out in the sticks, right. and I'm. Uh, yeah, I was just discussing that with uh, someone who I would like to work with, uh, do do something probably in theater, and but but I would have to drive seventy miles in and seventy miles out mm-hmm. every day, yeah. <laughs> and that's 
that's not for me anymore. You know, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get, you know, I've yeah. driven across country probably about 12, 14 times. And I, at this point in my life, I hate to take a car anyway. I hate traveling anyway, as a matter of fact. It's yeah. not in my blood anymore. I'm right. Like kind of, well, a lot of things when you're young and hungry is just uh, Hey, hey it, was, you know, it, was, it, was, it was fun. You know? Let's yeah. go do this. Let's just... Let's, 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 Go to New York. This yeah. is drive through. You know, I mentioned that. Yeah. When I started the the show, I was in my twenties, and now I'm in my forties. Yeah. There's a big difference. <laughs> between, a difference between yeah. the two. Exactly. Well, I, I did all that in my twenties and thirties. Not gonna mention what I am now, but I'm certainly yeah. about my age. That's certainly not not something <laughs> I want to do, but I yeah. but I may have to because that opportunity may come. And I may have to. I don't want to turn down something that I really want. To yeah. Do. Yeah. So I'm I'm. I'm reassessing. Right now, I'm, I'm writing. So it's, it's, that's really become... Uh, what kind of stuff are you writing? Like scripts? Or? Uh, scripts. Oh, yes, nice. Yes, yes. And it's become a, a revelation for me. Mm-hmm. It has. And I'm, I'm very good at it. I didn't know I would be. Yeah. So it's, I've got some stuff out there that's being looked at by uh, some of the top people in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Along those lines, where you just said uh, you're good at it, and like you obviously knew you were a good actor too, and you got the first. Uh, do you think you have to, uh, not an ego, but do you think you have to have confidence in yourself to to? Uh, you have to have an ego to be in yeah. this business. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a healthy ego. Yeah, yeah. that's the difference. Uh-huh. You know, if I, if I say to you that, you know, I don't know how good I am as an actor. I know my what my teacher said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know what I do when I'm home, at home by myself or in the shower. Right, I, right. I sing like like Caruso in the shower. I right, don't right. know if I was below the stage at yeah. on Broadway stage. How it would sound? You know, probably not at all. So I'm not. It's not. Uh, but you have to have to be in this in, in this business. You have to feel good about yourself, uh-huh. and you've got to have uh, some ego to to. Withstand uh, mm-hmm. the barrage of no's yeah. that you're going to There's going to be somebody that people want to see too. Somebody, you know, somebody, see? They want to see you. They, they, they. You've got to. You cannot discover new things about yourself. You can't open yourself up to other people mm-hmm. unless you feel confident. Yeah, and that confidence uh, is. That's what is an actor has to have the courage mm-hmm. to expose himself to everyone, yeah. and that's you know, and that's all. An actor sells emotions, mm-hmm. so all of your emotions, you've got to be able to let them, the audience, see them, mm-hmm. and you have to um, work in that. That, that that box mm-hmm. and 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 uh, in that 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 bubble mm-hmm. and so everyone can see and if you if you don't have a healthy ego you're not going to uh, be able to expand or let people in and let them see who you are yeah you know you're uh, you, know, you if you ask to play a certain character. A character could be anyone. You're going to have to search and find that character mm-hmm. within you, you know, or something in your life that is similar to who that character is. Mm-hmm. It may not be pleasant, 
mm-hmm. may be frightening, it may be horrific. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go there mm-hmm. as a human being, but as an actor, you have to. Yeah. You have to. The, the part demands it. The char- character is there to play, mm-hmm. and if you if you're if you're insecure, mm-hmm. if you have some issues, problems, or things that you uh, blocks that you haven't gotten over and you've gotten through, and yeah, you, then you you've got some you you have you have a problem as an actor. So you know my my if you ask me what's new in my life, it's writing. Mm-hmm. You know, and writing to where where it's that I'm writing one here now about a serial killer and. Uh, that's turning out pretty good, and I've got one that's uh, a, a series out there that, that oh, really? people are looking at. Oh, good. Yeah, and it's um, it. I thought it was good when I originally wrote it. Mm-hmm. Producer came in and pushed me because he said that they don't see they don't see Emmys after the first. <laughs> right. They don't see the Emmys at the yeah. first twenty pages. Uh-huh. They'll say thank you for coming. <laughs> And I said, "Well, this is good, you know." And I don't want to write. I don't want to write another page. And I wrote this years ago, and you know, it's great. I think it's wonderful. Can you, let's just tell them to read the first twenty-five pages, and it'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. They'll get it. No, they got it. So I had to go back and dig deeper, and uh-huh. dig deeper. And uh, what I came up with um, is uh, as good as there is. Is, okay. Even though different, is it a similar experience? And when you're acting and you're saying about being, you know, you're exposed, uh, the creative process of writing something? Because you're, you're digging it, deep into your emotions it, to, to it, find it, something? It is, it is, it's not the same mm-hmm. in that you're not there you, to see. You're, you're, really, you're really being judged on the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, how it flows? Does is it a page turner? Do people want to yeah. read it? Does it affect them emotionally? Does it affect you emotionally when you read it? Mm-hmm. Do you feel something? Do you feel? Do you feel? Um, there's a certain uh, character in in, in in the series that that uh, is shot and killed, mm-hmm. and everybody in there goes, "Oh no!" That's read it. Oh God. How could and some people say, "How could you kill him? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, why did he's got to live?" Uh-huh. And you know, and you know, you you struck a chord with yeah. And so that you know, I'm, I think you judged a little differently, but mm-hmm. still, you, you had something on. I have I have a friend who uh, wrote something recently, and um, said, "Put it out there, you know, get it out there." And I could see the hesitancy. Yeah. Not doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just almost like it, it was good, it was cathartic for her to do it, you mm-hmm. know, uh, because it helped in something she was going through. But I don't know if she wants to really have someone judge it and then maybe be disappointed in what they might say. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's just about ego. Yeah. Again, it's about being. Comfortable, mm-hmm. whether 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 you uh, succeed or fail, you learn something. Yeah, and if you have, you know, if you but a lot of people, that's not in their 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 grasp. They can't they can't do that. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they got to succeed and if they fail, they're going to jump off a bridge or something. They, yeah, they yeah. really feel it. They can't, they can't see it as learning something if you, even if you don't succeed, mm-hmm. you learn something from failure as well. Yeah. So they, um, um, yeah. In a lot of ways, you probably learn more from failure than you learn a lot from failure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot about people, a lot about everything, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I was, you know, that's the new thing in my life. Yeah. Do you get the same, like, uh, fulfilling quality from that, from writing as acting? Is it a similar thing, oh, the creative? Oh, God. Is it, is it I tell you. I, when I had to change the piece that I wrote, yeah. and there were, all, there were problems, margin problems, because we weren't using, um, what's it called, Quick Start Pearl, whatever it is. Oh, right, it's right like a technical problem. Right, right, yeah. a technical problem. Yeah. Then they wanted, it broke, broke down to episodes, mm-hmm. and then I got to episodes, I didn't have enough pages for certain episodes, so I had to rewrite more for yeah. characters, plus rewrite So I didn't know uh, what I had. Until I got on a plane, mm-hmm. uh, January third, a couple years ago. Yeah, I got on a plane, and I had I just had it printed up. You know, I I, I didn't because someone else was typing mm-hmm. in another other city. Right. I'm sending them the notes, okay, and, yeah. and then and then or typing the door, and then yeah. the script form and sending it back to me. And we're working. The guy other people working in LA doing uh-huh. something else. And I had people in the, in the Midwest saying, "Can you? Will you?" I was I just was besieged with so much work with this thing, and um, so I, you know, I, I, I had a cocktail at the bar. Got on the plane. I was flying first class. So I sat back, had, had a glass uh-huh. of champagne, unzipped my three-hole punch, over, started page one. Mm-hmm. Page 20, I had to close it. I took a big, long breath. It was that good. Yeah. Open it again. <laughs> Looked at another 20, 25 pages. Mm-hmm. Closed it again. Took another huge breath. It was that good. Yeah. And that satisfaction mm-hmm. is the reward. Mm-hmm. That I, it, everything fit because I didn't know. I, you know, I had, I had, I had chapters or episodes that had. I suppose they have seventy to fifty-five to seventy page, seventy pages per hour. Mm-hmm. I had forty. Put it in there. Yeah, yeah. It it there. (laughs) It fits there. Put it there. So I didn't know. So I'm taking a puzzle and putting it together without really seeing where it. I I see it, but I'm Uh don't really know if it really fits the entire piece. Yeah. This thing broke. Page to page to page, from scene to scene to scene, mm-hmm. from moment to moment, mm-hmm. and that was just totally rewarding for me. This one that I'm writing now, um, I just discovered, you know, within a week, 
and I and I hadn't really touched this. Thing. I haven't spent a lot of time with it. Mm-hmm. But I had an issue about killings and the signature of the killer. Yeah. What the killer does that makes him uh, uh, noticeable. You know, mm-hmm. the, 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 you know the, the, how he can be invested. Go, 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 make this guy stick out from other killers. Where they say, "Well, this must be this man," because mm-hmm. he kills in a certain way. And I had a, a way that he killed, but it was really just. Way out there, you know what I mean? And there's a lot of, and, and people say, well, have you, have you, have you, have you. why does he do that? <laughs> I mean, why does he, is there a reason? Yeah. And I, I had some a reason for, but I couldn't, it just, if people aren't going to get it, mm-hmm. then it's in my mind, it's not in the page, and it doesn't, it's not going to be in the screen. Yeah. And so I said, and finally, I hit it. Just one thing. I said, wait a minute. And this was used in something else as well, years and years ago. And it works perfectly for what I'm doing anyway. I said, that, that, connect these two, and I have it. Mm-hmm. So I called, you know, someone who typed from me, said, who's an executive, who's a former executive for CBS and NBC. And uh, I said, you know, you know, you asked me about the, the, the method of murder and slaughter mm-hmm. for the serial killer. This is what, I, this is what I've come up with. Uh, that's great! <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, it's, it's like, it's a constant... I think with the series it was easier for me because I knew something about the story. Yeah. Or really, it's something about... The, I already knew something from my childhood, and I could pull from a lot of places. This, about a serial killer, I know something about what I've heard or some of the mm-hmm. research, but it still was a little more, it's, it's, it was a little difficult for me. So, yeah. But uh, I'm really beginning to come to a point where it's all beginning to tie in, and it's beginning to work really well. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a nice thing. Piece when I finish with I'll be finished with it by the time I get back to LA. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to uh well, that's, that's we yeah, somebody first, to yeah, right. Yes, we, it's, we, that's just the first part, I guess. Yeah, yeah well well we got a I got a, some there's a guy that uh that's made a few films and he's um uh he's out of contract with him uh-huh. to uh for this. But, you know, again, if that doesn't go, then I'll be shopping it around, you know. You yeah. know so, yeah. But I hope that, that that will happen and that we'll, we'll come to the same agreement and yeah. make it happen. Yeah. You know? I, I don't want to, like, bring anything down, but maybe you have a, a positive, like, story about it. But, you know, Sid Haig recently passed away. And do you have any uh, memories of Sid? I don't oh, know if you, if you well, had a lot sure. of memories of Sid. Sid, Sid was, He's my first ever guest on the show. Yeah, really? Okay, yeah. yeah. Sid, Sid was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun. A good time with it. You know, we always laughed a lot. And <laughs> you know, spent some uh, very <laughs> fun-filled nights and uh-huh. days together. Yeah. He was, uh, he was okay. I, I, uh, I appreciated his company. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he appreciated mine. Yeah. We, uh, we, uh, yeah, I saw him last when he received the Vincent uh, Price Award. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, 
he, he didn't, wasn't well, didn't look well, of course, yeah. but it was good to see him. Yeah. And he was, uh, I think that was the last time I saw him. No, it's not the last time I saw him. I was in Indianapolis okay. over the summer, mm -hmm. and he did uh, Days, Days of the Day, yeah. and I was in town then, and I was leaving the next day. I think they opened uh, on a Friday, mm -hmm. and I was leaving Saturday, right. and going back to L.A., and I was downtown anyway. I said, well, let me pull in here and say hello to see if you guys. <laughs> Yeah. Him and Bill, because I know they're there. Yeah. And I went in and uh, saw him and spoke to him. And last thing I said to him, I said, if you ever need me, I'm there for you. Yeah. And he said, it's the same, the same here. You need me, I'm there for you. I said, okay, big brother. And that was the last time I spoke to him. Oh. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's a, uh, you know, I knew him a little bit from, from the shows and stuff. And just a, I had dinner with him a couple times. He's a really great guy. Yeah. And tons of stories. He's oh yeah, he's wild. He, you know oh yeah, going back to like playing cow and cowboy movie shows like on black and white television. Are you kidding me? My God, uh, there there's certain individuals that can tell stories. And you can, I can probably give you two hours, right, without taking a breath. <laughs> Sid can probably give you three. <laughs> yeah. And Fred Williamson can give you probably six. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, the guys are just have a, have a way of, of uh, talking and spinning the yarn and telling great stories. <laughs> and there, there are a few of us around still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to ask about uh, Ari Ma about battling Ari Mahailov because he's the man who gave me the name Nasty Neil. And uh, oh. so when you battle battling Ari Mahailov and Leatherface. Oh, gee. That was an interesting night. You know, um, we're in a pool, uh, back of Magic Mountain, rattlesnakes crawling that way and this way. Of course, the great crew kept them, kept catching them and skinning them. And uh, when this this man-made, you know, pit full of water. Mm -hmm. And we battled all night long till yeah. till the morning, uh -huh. and finally got all the shots they wanted. <laughs> and uh, so I, I thought that it's strange that you should bring up that movie. It's strange <laughs> you should bring up it. I went home, wrapped it, went home, said, "Okay, one in the can." Cut that shit up. Hold it, hold on. I got a call. Somebody calls me and says, Ken, we're gonna, uh, we need you, we're gonna do some research. I said, research? What, what happened? What, what do we screw up? What yeah. do we have to research? What, 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 what? Are you gonna live? I said, live? I said, I just gotta change something <laughs> in my head. Uh -huh. How the hell am I gonna live? I'm dead. You uh -huh. know, nobody's gonna live. No, you will fix it up. You just have a little scar. A little scar? <laughs> okay. <laughs> So that's, that's how I got it. And, and people have some, you know, I don't know. They, from what the call I got, they, what I was told was that they tested it in a few markets and the audience didn't like that I died. Mm. And therefore, they were going to reshoot this. Yeah. And 
I've heard that some other people have another opinion of why I was called back. But I, I you know, I, you know, if you ask someone, two people stand on the corner and they see the same accident. <laughs> you ask them yeah. ten years later what they saw. It's two different stories. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And the third story is the truth. And, and, so. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So who knows? Yeah. Since they had you live, was did they ever talk about you? You being in like a fourth one? No. Yeah. No, no. I, well, who was in the fourth? The fourth one's very bizarre. That's the the one. It didn't come out for uh, for a couple year for years, I think. And then because it was like Renee Zellweger and um, Matthew McConaughey were in it. Oh and yes, they, they yeah. Big, oh yeah. No, no. That's the one that that, that that they said they said was worse than the one I did. Yeah, it's, that's it's what good. that's <laughs> what they said. Uh-huh. That's, I haven't seen it, but you know, I, you know, I said. How yeah. could it be? It those things. I think they said, no, no, it's pretty bad. It's okay, okay. Yeah, it's, it's a very bizarre very, very movie. Very bizarre. Okay. Uh-huh. No, you don't see that around much, do you? I, I, no, I've never no. Seen that. I've never seen it being played. I've uh, seen the original on yeah. television. Um, I've even I saw two. Mm-hmm. Which is totally, it's so weird because first yeah. one's a very gritty, dark right. movie, and right. the second one's like this very it's bizarre comedy. Yeah. It's a carnival. So where, where the heck, where are they? Yeah. <laughs> what are, how do they build this? And what's Bill doing? <laughs> yeah, Chuck Top. <laughs> I loved it. I said, Bill, He was great, man. Yeah. It was funny. That was funny. I, mean, it was, uh, I guess because he's a good actor, but in, in that movie, he seems very like. Like Weasley and small, yeah. But then, like as Otis and like in you know, the Rob Zombie movies, he seems like pretty intimidating, yeah. You know, and it's not really makeup or anything. I think it's just the uh, way he's no, no, no. So. It's just it, it, it was you know. I think it's just choice choice of characters for the, each movie had that you know the chop chop top top <laughs> was um, weasel, yeah, yeah, Maybe a weasel. So you know, yeah, and. Um, and Otis, and, uh, as Otis in um, Rob Zombie's movies, he's, he's a killer. Yeah, he's a distant killer. Yeah, and he's not, not. He's a tough guy. Yeah, as well. Mm-hmm. So he's he's a badass. Yeah, he's a different. You know, yeah, this is really good. His acting, just physically, he looks so much different. Um, oh yeah, just yeah. the way you know he carries yeah, himself. Top top, he's just <laughs> uh-huh. like a video game. He's all over the place. Yeah. Here I am over here. Here I am over there. Uh, so you got uh, you working on scripts. So yeah, where can people follow you? Not like at your home, but where can they follow you to see what you're up to? Uh, I got I have uh, the rift is on. Netflix. Mm-hmm. So look that up. That is a story within itself. I wish I could, if we had time. I would tell you the backstories of the Rift and also Bingo Long. That would, those those two alone would take a couple of hours. All right. But the Rift on Netflix, uh, R I F T, very good. Uh, and I have one called John Henry coming out in uh, January. I think. Mm-hmm. And that's where they can follow me. I think I think that's. You know, I have uh, a few other. Oh, there are a few documentaries besides *Bar Noir*. So, but they haven't gotten uh, distribution yet, but they will. Mm-hmm. So, um, just just keep in touch. All right, very good. You know. Yeah, this has been great. I really enjoyed talking to you. My pleasure. Thank I'll you. Do it again sometime. Okay, Neil. All right, thanks. thanks. See ya. <laughs>
Nous 